Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know, our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Toyo Open Country AT3. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, simply go to TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, that's the way tire buying should be. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Remember all those big dreams you used to have and then life made other plans? With a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van, it's time to bring those dreams back. Start your own business or commit to van life with a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van. Now, you could win the Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Mode 4x4 that we have. Enter the Dan Patrick Show Ultimate Camping Rig Sweepstakes. To enter, get official rules. Visit danpatrick.com or foxsportsradio.com. Have to do it by February 2nd for your chance to win. Get right to the romance and find the way to wow this Valentine's with 1-800-Flowers.com. From classic roses and bouquets to decadent chocolate-covered berries, gourmet treats, and more. Surprise your Valentine with 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, get the 18-stem Enchanted Rose Medley for $39.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. Hey, welcome in. Your boy Doug Gottlieb here. Thanks so much for downloading 
and subscribing and rating and telling your friends about the All Ball Podcast. Uh, the numbers have been awesome, by the way. Like we're talking over 100,000 downloads, and uh, we're going to keep, you know, just keep sending tweets to me at Gottlieb Show and making reviews of it. And if you have suggestions, people you want to hear, things you like, things you don't like, like, look, you're listening to this pod. I'm kind of doing it as we go, trying to figure stuff out. And I, I, I really appreciate you listening. This one's a fun one. Uh, fun because I feel like I feel like there's people in coaching that I've gotten to know that I really like, and I knew them kind of way back when, and I watched them evolve and I watched them become a head coach. And I've they, they've gone up, they've gone down, or whatever. And um, Chris Mooney, I met. I have friends. You know, and I don't know if he downloads the podcast. My boy Darren Height played at Princeton, and that was kind of my first in to the Princeton basketball family. And I'll tell you a quick story because, and this is a hundred percent true. It's one of the the great stories in the history of my father. So my dad, Bob Gottlieb, passed away obviously five years ago. I talk about him some in the pod. And um, Darren was a great student at Modern Day. We played together, I think, since like fourth, fifth grade. And Darren was like a six, five Swiss army knife, could do everything. And he went to modern day and you know, modern day, they had just star after star after star after star. So I don't even know if he averaged six, seven points a game in modern day, but he was, I remember modern day used to have, you guys remember this on shooting shirts, right? Where they would, they had nicknames and Darren Heights nickname, I think was the man of a thousand pivots. I think I'll have to text him to, 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 to figure figure out if that's what it was. Anyway, um, so Darren didn't have, I don't think, scholarship offers coming out of high school, and he wanted to go to the Ivy League and play. He wanted to play at Princeton. Princeton at the time was them and Penn were the premier teams in the Ivy League. So he didn't get into Princeton on his like early acceptance. Maybe he was waitlisted. So my dad calls Pete Carrillo. He's like, Pete, you got to get out here. You got to see this kid, Darren. He's perfect for what you do. So this is the spring and Pete Carrillo comes and he watches him work out at modern day. And he's like, he's okay. So the next day we play in a tournament at Cal state Dominguez Hills. Now keep in mind, this is back in the day when, and maybe this was in the fall. I don't remember. Anyway, I think it was in the spring. Uh, but this is back in the day when you, all the, all the, the weekend tournaments were at Cal state Dominguez Hills run by the pumps. So uh, we, we kind of, we have a plan. Pete Carrillo's coming. He's coming to see Darren. Everybody else kind of had a scholarship or wasn't playing for one specific coach. Every play we run, we're going to run for Darren. Because the thing about Darren was like, look, if you've averaged five or six a game in high school, how do we know you can score? How do we know if you can play? Whereas the argument for modern day guys is like, look, if Darren would have gone to any other high school in Orange County, he would have been a featured guy, would have averaged, you know, 15, 18, 20 points a game. He could really play. So we run every play for him. I think he had like 35, 36 points. There's film somewhere available um, in the first three quarters. So he takes himself out of the game. And my dad had the old rule where if you take yourself out, you can put yourself back in. He was tired. He took himself out of the game. So somewhere in the fourth quarter, he tries to check back in. So we, we run every play for Darren Height in the first half, first three quarters. He checks himself out of the game, comes over to the bench. And you know, obviously Pete Creel and his staff are watching. He sits down and early in the fourth quarter, he goes to check himself back into the game. And my dad says, what are you doing? It's like, well, you, we have a rule where if I take myself out, I can put myself back in the game. 
And my dad turns to Darren and says, sit down. It's like, why? I'm playing great. Sit down. You're going to Princeton. So sure enough, he got into Princeton and uh, the rest is kind of history. If you go back and watch the 96 first NCAA tournament win for Princeton with Pete Carrill, um, there's a blonde haired kind of uh, rather large nosed. I, Darren knows he has a big nose. He's a great dude. Anyway, guy waving the towel. That's Darren Heights. Oh boy. Anyway. So I kind of got indoctrinated to Princeton basketball there. Um, I played with a Maccabi team with Jesse Rosenfeld was uh, a center from Princeton a couple years later playing in Israel. You know, I like, I knew some of those guys. Well, I started covering air force and got to know Chris Mooney, Jeff Bezdelic, not as much Joe Scott, uh, Joe, Joe's an interesting cat, man. I, I thought that thing would have worked when he coached at Princeton because it worked so well when he was at Air Force. Anyway, I find Chris's story fascinating. His mom died when he was just a teenager. His dad was a Greyhound bus driver, and sometimes he would ride with his dad, I think, to Atlantic City and back. We'll get, get to his story. But from that, a guy who didn't really have a true basketball background, he became like a basketball junkie and ended up becoming a high school coach, then a Division three coach, then an assistant at Air Force and ultimately the head coach at Air Force, now the head coach at Richmond for a long time. And they have a very good team this year. We'll get to him in a second. Uh, Chris Mooney is a good friend, a great guy, awesome accent, and just a really interesting tale of his life, which took us up to this year in this team. But before we get to that, quick thought on the Reggie Jackson trade. And it's interesting. If you're old enough, you're like Reggie Jackson, you know, the basketball Reggie Jackson. So Reggie Jackson, he wasn't traded. He was bought out by the Detroit Pistons. He signs with the LA Clippers. And the immediate reaction of a lot of people on social media, and even the media, is, ah, Clippers got another one that the Lakers wanted. And that's, look, did the Lakers want Darren Collison? Yes. Darren Collison was the guy that they had earmarked to be their starting point guard. He's a very good shooter, a very good defender. He's from LA. And Darren Collison not only retired early, but then they thought, he was coming when he were when he didn't come out of retirement right around the trade deadline. And I'm guessing they're still going to have conversations trying to talk him out of retirement. But they didn't want Reggie Jackson. And some of this just comes down to simply he's he's rep by Aaron Mintz. Aaron Mintz is the agent for Julius Randle. Julius Randle didn't get a contract offer from the Lakers after having a good year. And he's bitter. It's just like a lot of bitterness over the Julius Randle deal. And with that in mind, um, Rob Palinka didn't call them and he didn't call Rob Palinka. It wasn't, that's not really the case. Now, the other issue with the Clippers, and this is going to be interesting to see, you can only play five guys. And when you have a lot of guys where there's not a lot of differentiation between them, because Ray Jackson is not a bad player. I think he's a really good player. Now, he struggled to be, not have his own team when he's in Oklahoma City. He had his own team in Detroit. And obviously, like, this is what, this is what a bench guy looks like. This is what, I mean, pick whatever great six man you, you have. Lou Williams, a great six man or um, Jamal Crawford, right? Like the six man of the year, Jamal Crawford. When Jamal Crawford was a starting point guard, his teams weren't great. You put Jamal Crawford in his career as a six man. He was awesome. That's, that's Reggie Jackson. And Detroit had a game, a bunch of money and they never went to the playoffs. Why? Because Reggie Jackson's a great six man or seventh man. He's not a starter. Now he's a little bit older. How does he handle coming off the bench? But more than anything for the Clippers, do they have too many guys, too many egos? 
And I'll tell you this, that I'm not sure the Lakers don't like him on that team because it keeps Patrick, if he's on the court, Patrick Beverly, Landry Shamit, or Lou Williams aren't on the court. And they don't believe that he's as good a fit for that team as the other three are. The truth is that... There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I can eat a slice of pizza in under 30 seconds, or I know it'll take you over a minute to down that two liter. If you have, then you're going to love pick six. The new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how to play during the NBA playoffs. It's super simple. First, download the DraftKings Pick 6 app. Then, pick between two and six players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat, like rebounds, points, assists, and more. Play Pick 6 from DraftKings, the new fantasy app that packs more fun into less time. Download the DraftKings Pick 6 app now and use the code DUG. New customers can play 5 bucks and get 50 in pick six credits. That's code Doug only on DraftKings. Pick six. The crown is yours. One offer per new customer. Minimum $5 first pick set to receive $50 in pick six credits, which are non-withdrawable and valid for pick six use only expire after six months. Restrictions apply. Limited time offer. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick six not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick six states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has the tires that'll elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporting handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from a full line of hand-cooked tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRat.com sports to see their hand-cooked test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRat.com sports. TireRat.com. The way tire buying should be. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If 
you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Jackson, while a good player, more is not always more. And maybe this is more for the regular season because Patrick Beverly's been nursing the groin and they need another guy and get buckets. But but there is this thing about having too many guys who everybody and everybody in the NBA wants to play. But at some role level, you have to accept accept your role to go from go to guy starting point guard to ten minutes a night playing only on back to back nights. That's going to be hard. And guys all the time say like, "I can do it." We're playing for a championship. Don't care. But it can be very very difficult when you truth be told, that's not how you're wired. All these guys think they're better than the other guy, and there's not that much separation between he and Shamit, he and Patrick Beverly, he and, and Lou Williams. Reggie Jackson's had a lot of success in this league, scoring. Played on good teams, played on playoff teams. So we'll we'll see. I'm not sure it's a total win for the Clippers, although not getting Darren Collison is definitely a loss for the Lakers. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk Walk a mile mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All right, let's get to our interview of the week as we welcome in the head coach of the Richmond Spiders, Chris Mooney. My guest this week is the head coach of the Richmond Spiders. Uh, they've given pretty much everybody, I just like to say, an acrophobia. It's a fun send, you know, because the Richmond Spiders. And I remember, I, like, Chris Mooney joins us. Um, I remember when Richmond beat Syracuse in the NCAA tournament when I was a kid, right? Like, I used to follow it. Do you remember Richmond way back then, or is it, was it only when you became coach there that you that you became aware? No, I definitely remember uh, the Richmond. As a matter of fact, when Richmond beat Syracuse, 
I was playing at Princeton, and we were in Syracuse. So we played Friday, and that game was on Thursday. And the player who uh, hit the kind of the clinching free throws named Eugene Burrows was somebody I had, I had played on my AAU team for four years. So I can remember specifically that game and always always thought highly of Richmond. You know, I was growing up when Coach Tarrant was here and hoped they recruited me. They were smart enough not to. And um, But, no, I, I've known about it for a long time. Yeah, I didn't realize you're that old. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate it, Doug. <laughs> I don't. I didn't realize you're that old. I thought you were like a couple years older than me. Like that was. I was really okay. So let let's go back. One. Uh, I remember. Yeah. I remember the story. I remember. Okay, so you grew up in Philadelphia, correct? Yep. Yes. W- where in Philly? In Northeast Philadelphia. Okay. So what what is there's there's different sections obviously of Philly. What's the reputation of Northeast Philadelphia? Uh, I would say that um, it's a pretty working class, uh, you know, very blue collar, um, you know, mostly like uh, a lot of Catholic uh, churches, Catholic schools, Catholic high schools. Um, you know, I would say, you know, South Philly is probably like the the most prototypical, like Eagles fan. Mm-hmm. And Northeast Philadelphia is probably close to that not maybe not quite as passionate but pretty close to that okay so your dad if i remember was a bus driver right correct yeah okay so what was what was your childhood like with him with your family like give me give me the sense of was it ozzy and harriet you know white picket fence little house yeah was it a town what, what was what was it like yeah so uh i have uh four brothers and sisters so i'm the youngest of five um and my dad drove uh, a bus for Greyhound. Um, my mom passed away when I was pretty young. Yeah, 13, And I would right? say, yeah, 13 years old. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no, I would, you know, we grew up in a row home, which is standard in, in northeast Philadelphia. And, um, you know, tons and tons of neighbors on the block. You know, I probably had, you know, seven or eight kids on the same street as my age and my brother who's, you know, four years older than me had seven or eight kids his age, you know, so always plenty of basketball and stickball and football going on on the street or at the playground. And uh, so it was a lot of fun, a lot, lot of kids, tons and tons of kids always around, always games going on. Uh, okay, so how did your dad do it? Your mom gets sick, you're a teenager, and he drove a Greyhound bus. And I like, again, I, I don't know how routes work, but I figured like those are you're gone for like a day or two days or even a week. Like if it's a long route, how did that how did that work? Yeah, that's a great point. So um, by that point, you know, again, I was the youngest, so he had been driving for a long time. So the higher your seniority is, you know, the better selection you have of the routes. And so he for a long time, he had a route to Atlantic City. And so he would probably, you know, he'd be uh, there in the morning and then, of course, playing basketball, you don't, you don't come home right after school, but he probably would leave like around three, uh, go to work, take a group down to Atlantic City and be back maybe at like midnight or one in the morning. And that was, that's the most common route. You know, I, I think when I was very young, he might have been taking charters and, you know, taking groups a little farther around the country. But for the most part, Philly to Atlantic City, probably about an hour and a half. So uh, that's the one I remember the most that he had. So he was... He was around. I mean, obviously, a really tall task and tall order for him. But he, he was around more than you would necessarily think. Um, okay, and then with sports, you know, your mom got sick. It was it was breast cancer. You know, you're mm-hmm. you're, I mean, you're a young. Te- did you 
was it was it really quick? Was it progressive? What? How? How did that? And and I and I hate yeah, to break so up. I, I mean, a, the toughest time in your life, but I I want to bring up the yeah, toughest no, time no. Um, so actually, she um, she got sick uh, three times. So it was like uh, maybe when I was maybe when I was um, eight. Uh, maybe when I was eight, ten, and twelve, and then the last time, you know, passed away it was actually lung cancer at the end. So she had gotten breast cancer a couple of times when I was younger, um, and then lung cancer at the end, and she passed away when I was thirteen. Mm-hmm. Did you you play all sports or just hoop? No, so I played a lot. I, I was uh, pretty good baseball player. You know, speed's not quite as important as baseball. And then, um, but I really did start playing basketball right about that time. My my brother closest to me in age was a really good basketball player, you know, very good high school basketball player. And so I just really started to play basketball then. You know, and it was, you know, I would, the, the playground near our house had lights and they also hosted um, like AA meetings, Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. So they would leave the lights on like Thursday night through Sunday night till like two in the morning. And so, you know, you could just, you could be up there all the time and they did that, I guess, you know, so they have a, they take a break from the meeting, they go out and these guys shoot around. And so I just ended up being there all the time. And, um, you know, that was certainly something that, uh, I probably lost myself in, you know, not knowing it at the time. Yeah. Um, so you, you, when you're, you're in high school and, um, Mm -hmm. You uh, was Archbishop Ryan, right? Was that where you? What? Well, what yep. How good were you guys? We were, I would just say, pretty good. You know, it's as you know now. The teams that are good, you know, have seven Division One players, and they they have unique names and all that kind of stuff. At the time, we were pretty good. I mean, we won the Northern Division of the Catholic League my senior year, which was. You know, the, the Southern Division would have been better, where uh, St. John Newman and Roman Catholic, Cardinal O'Hara in the Southern Division. But we won the Northern Division of the Catholic League, and we, we were pretty good. I mean, we were by no means, we wouldn't have won slam dunk to the beach or anything like that. But we, we were a pretty good team of, you know, like seven seniors, just more traditional, no recruiting, all guys who grew up playing together. Hmm. So did, did you get any Bs? Like, I always picture, because I remember... You know, one of my best friends is Dar- Darren Height, who went to went to Princeton, yeah. and I don't think he got any Bs, or maybe he got one, and he didn't initially get into Princeton. Um, you were obviously right. he- heavily recruited, like, uh, you know, academically. How how were you so how, like? Where did that come from? It's like everybody in your family is a straight A student. Were you always the bright? Did you get? Give me give me a sense of what it was actually like. Yeah. So uh, my brother, who was older than I was. Uh, was not a great student, very smart, not a great student. Um, and I don't, I don't know, you know, I, 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 I was, I was a, I was a pretty good student. You know, I, there's a great story that, uh, I found out years later. I, I, um, was back at my high school about 10 years after graduation. And one of the sisters there said, uh, you know, you must remember our, you know, our secretary, uh, Miss Carey, who, who was there when you were there. And I really didn't, and and said hello and talked to her. Well, the sister told me that I had handed in my application to Princeton, kind of handwritten and you know all scratched up and not well taken care of. And uh, she uh, called Princeton and asked them to send another one, and she typed it up for me without ever telling me. 
And this hmm. isn't like a school of like 50 kids. I mean, there's, there are 3000 kids in the school. And, um, you know, that was just an amazing, uh, amazing thing that she would have done for me. Otherwise I'm pretty sure they would have probably thrown out the one handwritten application. for instance. <laughs> um, but I was, uh, I was a pretty good student and, and, um, you know, probably just more afraid to get in trouble for, for grades than anything else. And, lucky enough to do okay on the SAT. So just just more luck than anything. Okay, uh, fair, fair enough. You can tell me it's it's luck. How did What was the Pete Carrill uh, recruiting experience like for you? So I'll tell you this. So, yeah, that, so at the time, and, and so you were probably at the tail end of this, uh, uh, home visits were really important. So home visits would happen in September. Sure. And it was a big deal how many home visits a particular guy had and um, and so we did all of mine at the school and I would, add, so if I had eight or 10 and it could be from, you know, it could be all levels or, or, or all levels division one. And I would always ask my first question would be, what are my weaknesses? You know, and just to try to gauge the sense of honesty of the coach. And if he had seen me, that kind of thing, right. uh, coach Carroll came in and he was probably, you know, around the seventh or eighth one. And he came in, and I mean, for five minutes, he just criticized. Before we, we sat down, and he just criticized me, and said how slow I was. Um, you know, I came down the same side of the court every time. Uh, you know that I passed up a couple of shots, and but another time I, uh, you know, took a shot that I shouldn't have, and just picked out everything from the open gym that he just watched. And I was sold. I mean, I loved it. Uh, I thought it was. It was great. I mean, you know, he has a really unique personality. He's brilliant. But he was so honest that it was just, uh, I mean, again, I don't know how much it would work today. Uh, but that five minutes and ten criticisms, I was I was sold. I knew that's where I was going to go. Yeah, that, that's how, I feel like that's how they all were, right? Like, I mean, I played for Eddie Sutton. My, my father's kind of that same generation, obviously, you know, and... Yep. Uh, just where they, that's, that's just how bulk, and that's kind of, it did kind of wire us. I felt in my profession now, it's the hardest thing is that when you, when you are honest as a broadcaster, I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of people who haven't played at maybe, or maybe they played recently where it's not this way anymore. But <clears throat> when you give honest uh, feedback as to how a kid is playing, you know, like, ah, it's a terrible pass. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa right. you can't say that. Like, <laughs> Yeah, they're all they they actually understand it's a terrible pass. Like that's just the the language of sport when it's coached sure. by kind of older guys. It's just it's a really in, endearing thing. Um okay, so you were a junior in high school during the during the Georgetown game, right? Yes, exactly. Okay, yeah. do you remember I remember where I was. Do you remember where you were when Princeton like it felt like led Georgetown all the way up until like the last couple minutes? Yeah, exactly. I can remember, yeah, I was at a friend's house um, uh, watching the game. The game was in Providence, and uh, I think I think it was 28-20 at half. And if, if you remember, they, they went to the halftime, and it was in the studio. It was like John Saunders and Dick it was, Vitale. It was ESPN, because ESPN just, had the first-round games back then. Yeah, exactly. And they were just dead silent for like the first five seconds. It, it was, you know, it was that shocking that this was happening. And further, if you remember, Georgetown had just drilled everyone in the Big East tournament. I think they won the Big East tournament by an average of 30 points a game and um, just seemed unbeatable. And, and at the time, you know, they had that aura anyway. 
mm-hmm. seemed unbeatable. And here, you know, Princeton was up eight <laughs> at halftime and, you know, had a, had really great chances to win the game. You go to Princeton. What was your what? So what's what's that experience like? You're going from from Philly. It's not far to Princeton, but you're going to an Ivy right. League school. You went to a, a private Catholic school. What 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 was your first Princeton experience like? So I went up there and I worked on campus the summer before my freshman year, and so that was that ended up being really good for me because you know I met about fifteen or twenty other people who worked in the office that I worked in. It was like the summer camps and conferences. So they don't have summer school at Princeton. So uh, there's a lot of opportunity for, you know, the athletic teams to run their camps and, and for also, you know, big conferences to come in and, and use the campus. So I, I made some friends. As you said, it's only only about a 40-minute drive to my house, but was able to make some friends and get used to the, uh, you know, a, a little bit, get used to the type of people that were there and, and how the campus was laid out, that kind of stuff. Uh, and so... And then I can remember, um, you know, we'd go, I'd go down to the gym, and at the time the coaches weren't allowed to work with you, and Coach Carroll would be, you know, kind of standing behind like a pillar, yelling at me to tell, tell me to do something that I was down there just shooting. You know, he'd be telling me, you know, take, take a drive to your left, take a drive to your left, and, uh, but pretending not to watch. And then, uh, and then when school started, I mean, it was it really it was hard. I mean, I, I was completely overwhelmed academically, uh, completely overwhelmed basketball wise. You know, our practices were really, really, really long. Coach Curl was really demanding. Um, and then I was in school, you know, I, I probably, I thought I was working hard, but I'm sure I wasn't working the right way. And I was struggling and it was, it was, it was a really difficult adjustment. And, um, that that's what I remember about it. You know, we, our team was terrific. You know, that year we, we we were nationally ranked. We were great, and I played. Uh, but it was it was really tough, really right, demanding, a really a tough season. No, it's great because you know I had the same. I went to Notre Dame. I was a great student. Yep. I went to Notre Dame, yep. and I was you know going to start right. And I ended up starting, but I remember preseason practice. Admore White was kicking my ass. I was homesick. It was yep. cold. I wasn't doing well in school. I go in to see Fra- I go to another Philly point guard. I go in to see Fran McCaffrey, and I'm like, I yep. suck. I can't do this. I need to go home. And he's like, What is the matter? You're just a freshman. What is it? Who was the? Who was? Who was your guy? Who you went and saw? Was it a coach? A player? How did you keep it together? Yeah. So it was again a little different. You know, Coach Carrill. N- nobody would have gone down there. Right. <laughs> coach Carrill for sure. <laughs> Um, and we had a great staff. I mean, it was uh, Armand, I mean, uh, Billy Carmody, who was later the coach of Princeton, then Northwestern. Um, and, and we had uh, Armand Hill later. was. On. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has the tires that'll elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporting handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from a full line of hand-cooked tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com sports to see their hand-cooked test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The staff who was uh, who was a great NBA player who played at Princeton, but yeah, it was it was more just the guys really. I and mean, the coach crew was so hard and tough. It was really the guys, and we, we used to do this thing. We would line up before practice, like probably about three or four days a week, and the guy we termed it going down the line. And Coach Crew would go through every guy in front of the whole t- uh, in front of the whole team and just say, really, just kind of break down his game and his character flaws and things like this. And so I was starting, uh, but, but Princeton had, re- there were five starters returning, but Coach Girl started me over a guy named Matt Henson, 
who was a good player, and we were so good, I probably couldn't have, I couldn't do that much damage. So when we would go down the line, he would get to me, and of course, since I was the one freshman playing, I would get a lot, you know, ten minutes of it. And then when he would get to Matt Henson, <laughs> you know, he would say, "Yo, Matt, just give me another couple of days with this with this guy," and then I would get it again. So it was <laughs> it was tough. And the only way you threw it is, I think, your teammates, you know, because you go in the locker room, you go have dinner, and you start laughing at a bunch of the things that he said that you, in the moment you're not laughing at. Um, but just to kind of keep it sane. I feel like it, 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 and I don't know if they do this on purpose or if it's just their personality, but mm-hmm. they, they make it so it's like us against them, like coaches against players, yeah. and it makes the players closer together. Like, those are my still my best friends. I know how close all you Princeton guys are that played for Pete, especially. Yeah, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. sure the guys that played for Joe Scott. I'm sure they have some stories yeah. to tell as yeah, as, as well. Sure. But but it it, it yeah, felt like no. it was a unifying thing. Yeah, that that's exactly right. I can remember. You know, it was funny because if you if you you know, Coach Carrill was you know five foot six maybe. You know, and he had all these big smart guys just scared to death and then you know i would say every single time we had a meal or we're on the bus or we were we were you know making fun of coach Carrill or impersonating coach Carrill or some of the things he said and you're right it became something that it was you against him it was a it was a fight every single day but you were together you know and i i do think there's impossible today but uh something Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty wise about that. If you love to be remembered as the person who gives the best birthday gifts, I'm here to tell you that 1-800-Flowers.com is your ultimate birthday gifting destination. 1-800-Flowers has thoughtful and artfully created options that are guaranteed to deliver the best birthday surprise. Shop thousands of unique gifts at 1-800-Flowers.com for exclusive offers and great values. To order today, visit 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide through this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. You That, that year, you guys led the country in uh, scoring defense. You, you held teams to like 48.9 points per game. Okay, that's, uh, that's obscene. Now, some of that is pace, right? And, and, um, and there was shot, it was a 45-second shot clock then. Okay, so, yes. mm-hmm. so, so the, the, the shot clock was longer. Um, and this is where I, I'm, I'm fascinated by. Conception, conceptually, defensively, was it, pa- like, would you consider it pack line? Like, what was his defensive 
principles that allowed you guys to be so good as a team? Yeah. So, yeah, and I, I believe that year, I think we were like second in the country in field goal percentage defense, too. I mean, it wasn't... You also led the country in, I don't know if you know this, you led the country in uh, field goal, a three-point percentage offense. Like 40, what is it, 45 point... No, that was, excuse me, a year before it was 45.2. But it was in the, in the mid-40s. Yeah. So you guys were yeah. ahead of the curve in terms of at least three-point percentage, maybe not as much volume, but still volume. Kind of, kind of, yeah. and, and as much as he was, you know, a super old guy even back then... Uh, there were part of a lot of like, look, everybody now is, is loading up on the ball. And there was a lot of that, that you guys did back then. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's a great point. And I, and I mention this all the time. I mean, coach curls, literally not 10 years ahead of his time. He's about 60 years ahead of his time. And because, because of the Georgetown game and the UCLA game and these low scores in those games where every coach would, would slow down the pace. If you, if you saw the talent differential, but if you, if you looked at just how we played and especially when we played in league and we were, you know, we were still patient, but not as deliberate. I mean, you know, having all five guys who can dribble, pass and shoot a little bit positionless basketball, um, you know, dribble handoffs, flare screens, cross court passes, spacing the court the way they do. Coach girls at the beginning, or he's way ahead of the beginning of all of that. Um, and like I said, I think because the games that stick out are the games where it feels like we held the ball, he probably doesn't get quite as much credit. But, uh, yeah, he was he was way, way ahead of all that. And defensively, too. You know, it's incredible. We started practicing defense maybe five days before our first game. And that year, as a matter of fact, my freshman year, we had our first ten games were away. <laughs> I mean, I think two tournaments and, and six true road games. Um, we played UNLV, who was the number one team in the country with Larry Johnson and Stacey Ogden. And, you know, they, it was, uh, he thought defense was fairly simple. And we were also playing the matchup zone, the beginnings of the matchup zone, which was so unique and different to everybody that it was really hard for teams to score. Our yeah. first home game, I remember we played Yale, who was picked maybe second in the league. And I think the, you know, it was like 65, 27 and we held multiple teams to single digits in the first half. I mean, it was really in- incredible. So what was it about the matchup zone that was confounding to so many of these coaches? Well, I, I would say at the time, um, most teams ran their zone offense. Yes. Um, and, they, and, they and, would and, over, so, and they would overload. They would just go to one side exactly. and overload. Then go to the other side and overload. And you're like, eh, this is not a great deal. But right. and, and, and they would get they would get locked up by a zone. Yeah, completely. And there was you know there were I mean ball screens were uh, really frowned upon at that time. So there were very yes. few ball screens. Uh, certainly, you wouldn't ball screen a zone. You know at at that time. Uh, and I mean teams. You know, and Coach Carroll used to keep a stat. Uh, you know because people would accuse us of being so deliberate. You know, we our defensive possessions were far longer than our offensive possessions. And teams really teams really tried to move us around. Um, but when you start to see that over and over, you can, you know, we, we were a little bit ahead of them in terms of what we were doing on defense. And so, um, yeah, it, it was really, really hard for all of, the, all of our opponents to, uh, to find a good rhythm. It just didn't really exist against us. You played in the NCAA tournament. You mentioned the, you're playing in Syracuse. You played against Nova. Yeah. 
So that what was yeah. what was that like for you a a uh, a Philadelphia kid, okay, who now yeah. all of a sudden you're playing in the NCAA tournament against Villanova. And you guys led at the half too. We did, 29-23, I believe, and Chris Walker uh fell down on a three-point shot right before the end of the half because it was 29 to 20. Uh and he was great at that stuff and um so we we were good. I mean, I we were we were the eight seed, so we were the home uniform. Um, it was great. I was cheering for Villanova, you know, the week before. They they had like a really, you know, they were might have been seventeen and fifteen or something like that, but a great schedule. And you know, it, it was great. I loved loved Villanova, loved Villanova, and it was a it was a good game. I think I had the first basket of the game. Uh, it was in the Carrier Dome, yeah. and. They were, you know, it was really, in a way, you know, Princeton played Georgetown, um, then they played um, Tech or not Texas, Arkansas, yep, and then Villanova and Syracuse, and it would have been it would have been better for us to play um, a team out west, or you know, it was better to play Arkansas, even though they're more talented than than Villanova, say, because Villanova played that style too. They were playing games in the fifties and and really deliberate on offense and changing defenses, that kind of thing. It would have been better for us to play a wide open team who, who would, who had really been shocked by our style. Um, my <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I mean, cause they wouldn't have seen it and they wouldn't have, I, I just, I just think teams that teams that felt like, you know, like, like the UCLA 96 team. Um, I, mm-hmm. I want to get to that. I want to get to that in a second. And I know you weren't on that team, but it, it was, it was a, it was a monumental achievement, even though that team was a ranked team and a really good team that, People act yeah. like that UCLA team was a great one, and it was not. Um, it's it's more finally winning the game, considering how many times you've been close. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. How how would you describe? So you start four years, you score a thousand points. You guys didn't win the league the last two years that you were at at Princeton. How would you, if you were going to character, how would you characterize your college career to somebody who's like, man, I didn't live it. What was it like for you? Well. Um... In retrospect, great, but at the time it was it was tough. I mean, Coach Curl was extremely demanding. Um, again, I, I really I, I like that and embrace that. But he he was he was really tough. Uh, had we had great guys on the team, uh, and I you know I was a I was a pretty good player. Like I, I I was a good player for to play at Princeton. I could pass. I had a good sense. I was fairly versatile. I was, you know, I was just very slow, which which hurt hurts obviously than anything. Um, uh, but we had we had, you know, we beat um, North Carolina State twice, and we had, um, you know, we were nationally ranked as an as an Ivy League team. It, it was it was great, and I, I will tell you this: there's not not a day goes by that I'm not influenced by something that happened while playing basketball at Princeton. It was. It was, I was unbelievably lucky to have done it, and it, it has impacted. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has the tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporting handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from a full line of general tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com to see their general tire test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts me more than anything else in my life and uh, um he had he called people like light but he wanted more light bulbs right yeah with light bulbs light yeah. up a whole room that was that was his yep. thing who was yep. the greatest light the sh- the brightest light bulb that you played with at princeton kit miller um so kit was his last three years princeton won the title he's probably Ivy league player of the year twice um he was a center, so the whole offense would, would go through him. Uh, he, he, I think he's second to Bradley in scoring. Uh, 
and you know and you know he didn't shoot threes or anything like that he could score on anybody you know he had a great game against Alonzo Mourning you know he could score he could score on anybody and was a great passer he he really was incredibly critical to to you know to that that era of Princeton which lasted through the UCLA game in the next few years so you go to Princeton, everybody thinks you go to Princeton, you get some crazy killer job coming out, right? That's why you go to Ivy League. At what point in time did you like, I want to be a basketball coach? Yeah, so I wanted to be, a, since I was about five years old, my, my uh, actually maybe when I was 10, my, my brother was close to me in age, uh, Kevin, was a good player. And our, our local um, school, Catholic school, had a great coach named Neil Brazell, and Mr. Brazell was one of the few guys in town who was a white-collar worker, and so he would wear, you know, he was a, he looked, uh, he had like the Bill Cowher chin, he was about six foot four, silver hair, and he would wear a three-piece suit, you know, to to these little games at this, we didn't even have a gym, but the, the little public school gym, tile floor, and he always made sure that they, our team had the best uniforms and had warm-ups and didn't let everybody go on the court during halftime and talk to the guys about how they carried themselves. And it just had a huge impact. And I would go home and, and literally dress in, uh, you know, in a, a suit that I had from communion or something and pretend to be him. I mean, he was, he was just like a, uh, a commanding presence. It was, it was really something unique. And, and so I always, you know, obviously I wanted to play, but I always, always pictured, that's who I, what I, uh, you know, if I close my eyes and picture a coach, that's who I would picture. Just somebody in, in such command. He was, he was, uh, you know, he just talked about being, you know, having class. And uh, it was, you know, he had a huge impact. And I never even got to play with him. His, his, his youngest son was a year older than me, and, and so I never even got to play for him. But, um, but, yeah, he had a huge impact on me. So you get done, you get done at Princeton. Uh, what, what, how did you, you became a high school coach? How did that take place? Yeah. So, um, uh, I, I interviewed, there was a, uh, a school called Lansdale Catholic, which is about, uh, 20 minutes outside or from where I grew up, 20, 30 minutes, but not in the Philadelphia Catholic league at the time. And, um, you know, I applied for the job and they had an athletic director named Frank Giovanese, who was, he was at Bishop Kenrick actually when they hired uh, Gino Ariema, right. um, and he he will tell the story that I was terrible in the first interview, and they had plenty of people in the Lansdale area who were far more qualified, and he invited me back to a second interview and he said, "Hey, just wear your sweatsuit and just relax." And I went back and he had a little committee and they they offered me the job. I mean, it was. Uh, you know, at the time, I thought, sure, of course, I'm the best person for the job. Looking back, I mean, I, you know, I'm really appreciative that he would take that kind of chance and was able to get a teaching job at, at one of the local grade schools and coached there for three years. Great place. Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. 
It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide through this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. And we're live here outside the Perez family home just waiting for the... And there they go, almost on time this morning. Mom is coming out the front door strong with a double-arm kid carry. Looks like Dad has the bags. Daughter is bringing up the rear. Oh, but the diaper bag wasn't closed. Diapers and toys are everywhere. Ooh, but Mom has just nailed the perfect car seat buckle for the toddler. And now the eldest daughter, who looks to be about 9 or 10, has secured herself in the booster seat. Dad zips the bag closed, and they're off. Ah, but looks like Mom doesn't realize her coffee cup is still on the roof of the car. And there it goes. Oh, that's a shame. That mug was a fam favorite. Don't sweat the small stuff. Just nail the big stuff. Like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Learn more at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. So wait, what, what grade did you teach? Well, I taught sixth grade for one year, and then I moved to the high school the next two years and taught freshmen and sophomores. What, what subject? I taught uh, mostly English or language arts, as it was called, and, and yeah, grade school, um, and then a little bit of uh, related arts. <laughs> what the hell is, in, what, in what is related arts? <laughs> related arts is a little bit of uh, whatever I wanted it to be, I think. so. It's amazing. You know, I didn't know. <laughs> so I would do, like, uh, poetry and music music lyrics. It was like a one, it was, it was maybe the only one semester. You might have taken it, like, the other semester where you didn't have uh, health and phys ed. Um, but most of my classes were English, which was tough. I mean, you know, it's t- hard to uh, grade essays uh, with a class, you know, with three or four classes of 30 kids. That's, that's a tough one. Okay, so you're there for three years, and then you, you coach at, at Beaver. Now, Beaver's changed names now. So you, you coach at a school that no longer, I mean, it exists, but it was Beaver College. Now it's Arcadia University. Why did you decide to, to make that, that leap? So I wanted to coach college, and, and same thing, Arcadia is, is, you know, right outside of Philadelphia, um, and I really wanted to coach in college. You, you know, a, a, a more traditional route and a better route would be to go be a grad assistant somewhere in, in Division One, and then, you know, try to work your way up through Division One. I, I just really had a desire to be a head coach, and when the when the Beaver College job opened, uh, you know, the fair amount of high school coaches in our area were interested, and but it wasn't full time, and so. Um, but another job they had open, ironically, was the summer camps and conference services job, and I had done that at Princeton for five summers. Right, and so they were not offering those as a package deal, but I kind of suggested that I, I I'd be I would love to interview for both. And as it turns out, I was able to get both of those. And uh, when I got there, I mean, we, this is literally my, my first year at Beaver College. We had six players in the team, including a walk-on. And that, that's true. That's not, a, that's not an exaggeration. We had, we had six guys on the team. And we would have to, 
we'd have to stop warm-ups when the two captains would go to the jump circle. No, about what? <laughs> what? Wait, uh, how, much, how much did you make? As the coach, I think it was $2,000. And then teaching and all the other stuff, like all in, what were you, what were you pulling? Yeah, okay, so I would say Atlanta Catholic, probably I was making about 26, and then I would say at Beaver College, I was making probably about uh, maybe 29, 31, something like that. How did you, how do you live? Like, what, what do you, I mean, obviously, I and mean, this is not that long ago. This is not like the 1930s. Yeah. This is 97 <laughs> through 2000. You know, I think, and Doug, you've, I'm sure you've met a thousand to 10,000 people like this. Coaches, you know, you're just wired to do that. And everything else is so secondary. You know, I mean, a, a free pair of shoes and a free pair of sneakers and sweats is, is kind of all you're looking at. And you're just, just consumed with coaching and later recruiting and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, developing your philosophy and how you're going to, you know, for me, how was it going to be like coach girl, how it's going to be different from coach girl. And that's really, that's, I have no idea how everything else worked out, but I know that was, that was how driven I was. Did you, did you guys run Princeton? I mean, did you, what, what did you run chin and elbow? Like, did you run the offense? Yeah. (laughs) So, I would say similar, uh, not exact though. One, one thing that I had uh, tried to develop is, uh, you know, the Princeton offense is four kind of interchangeable parts around one center. Uh, when I was at high school, we, we were never going to have, you know, our, our center was going to be another six foot two guy. And so what we tried to do was make it five interchangeable parts, you know, so Princeton, if a guy would cut back door and not get a layup, he would kind of clear out to the, to a corner. So what we did is we changed it. If you cut back door and didn't get it, then now we would post you. And then maybe you'd shoot up to the elbow. So that was the one change. And I had thought of that or, or considered that knowing I was going to coach high school. So I kind of had, um, you know, I was probably a little bit too rigid then, but I probably ha- I had that kind of figured out. And that was what, what, and we still do that, as a matter of fact. Um, but that's how I was a little bit different than, than the exact offense. And did you run the matchup zone? So not really. I mostly played man to man. We we had a great Atlanta Catholic. We had great defensive teams, and then I think we held teams in uh, under forty points a game for one season. We had really good, you know, uh, like three football players, uh, some guys who were really really good at guarding. Um, so we did not. We played we played man to man. And at Beaver College, as a matter of fact, uh, we pressed that we had a, a, a Carlos Sanders who was incredible at stealing the ball. We we pressed every possession. So we were a little bit we were a little bit different that way. Um, okay, so Beaver College, you know, you're there two years. You go eight and seventeen first year, right? With were you there? You're two mm-hmm. two years, right? First year, you had six yeah. guys. You go eight and seventeen. Second year, you go. Yeah. You're sixteen and ten. Division three coach. How did how did did Joe Scott call you? Did you call him? How did you come to to leave and and become? And you'd never been an assistant coach before to go be an assistant at Air Force. Yeah. So uh, so just to show, if this is right before the internet really takes off. And also, um, uh, I was working the Villanova camp and Joe Scott was interviewing at air force. And so I can remember, you know, going to bed one night, not knowing what happened. And then the next morning I walked across and, and got a, um, got a Philadelphia inquiry at the Wawa and he got the job at air force. And just my immediate thought was that I was going to go be an assistant at Princeton. You know, I was almost 
sure of it. You know, as for as many guys who are who are coaching who played at Princeton at the time, I would have been the only one. You know, guys who either were playing overseas or the younger guys were still in school, whatever it was. And I didn't know that, if, you know, in any way, but I, I thought, wow, this is... And then um, I talked to Coach Carmody and was scheduled to go up and talk to him, and then I talked to Joe, and he asked if, we, if, if I was interested, and I went up and sat down and talked with Joe, and in about 10 minutes he said, do you want to come out here with me? And I said... Absolutely. You know, you know, Joe and his passion and fire and, you know, I, I couldn't wait. And it was unique. I mean, it was a service academy, but in the Mountain West, I mean, it was it was a really kind of a cool, unique thing. So you get there and that's a, it's a beautiful place, but it's a different mm-hmm. place. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and you'd been at some and, you know, Beaver's a beautiful campus and so is Princeton. But again, different, <laughs> like you said, yep. you, what, what do you remember about? about Colorado Springs first getting there on campus at the Academy. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it was, um, I would say what stuck, stuck out to me was, uh, the commitment to football, you know, was, was impressive and real. And now it's it's going to be a little bit different than, you know, Oklahoma's commitment to football, but, um, Fisher DeBerry, who is an incredible person and longtime coach was there. They were, they were very, very good. Uh, and just the size of the stadium and the indoor, and they had an indoor practice field and the fields outside and how many, you know, they recruit a lot of guys because everybody's on scholarship at the Academy. And I think that's the thing that stood out to me the most. And then they played this option stock. This is it. We've got an Amex platinum pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has the tires that'll elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporting handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from a full line of hand-cooked tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. 
Go to TireRat.com sports to see their hand-cooked test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRat.com sports, TireRat.com, the way tire buying should be. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding he's gonna guard he's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the olympics exactly. he's gonna guard and then on I'm top of it like that, see that? ladies and gentlemen please welcome sam cassell to point game i remember you came out from crying tears <laughs> crying tears. i mean he was in a culture shock and then I, he's going to withdraw us about winning remember what i told you i said i said oh you think i can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously, I'm sure that's why Joe got the job to bring, you know, a, a unique style. And, you know, out West, it's different. There aren't, there aren't quite as many schools out West as there are back East. And so, you know, if you're Princeton or Richmond and you're playing, you know, in the non-league, if you're playing, you know, Lehigh and Lafayette, and I mean, those schools are, because of the proximity they're 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 not too far behind good teams you know what i mean like uh you know lehigh will go down to georgetown and be tied at the half i mean that's that's unique and out west it was just different more spread out and so i just thought you know if we could you know if we were able to um buy some games (laughs) and kind of get rolling that i thought we could be pretty good because i thought in the mountain west there there was going to be a coach who was probably as last year uh, every year, and therefore a coach in his first year every year. And I thought, you know, that's four games that you're going to have a real chance to win. And if you could develop some kind of home court advantage, you know, that, that that's the way I kind of saw how, how Air Force football did it. Their, their consistency was worth two to three wins a year. And, you know, no matter what the talent was at UNLV or Utah or Colorado State, their consistency, and I, I thought we could, I really thought we could do that in time, if, if we recruited well enough, which was going to be, obviously, like everywhere, was going to be the hard part. Yeah, and the league was league was really good then. People forget Utah was in the league back then. Um, yep. And, you know, you you know, you know, guys won 17 games combined the first two years, 12 and 6, your third year. Uh, and then the fourth year, that's when it that's when it hit. It's interesting. My brother was at, was at San Diego State, and he yep. started right about when you started. And he yep. would he would tell me he's like, look, it met, not this year, but I'm telling you, Air Force is going to be an NCAA tournament team in three or or four years. Uh, and you had this wow. like really interesting collection. Like, Ant, I remember Antoine Hood and Nick Welsh. Yep. Nick Welsh was a tremendous player. And then you got that yep. Jacob Birchie kid from Oklahoma, 
who was yeah, his dad yeah. was a coach, right? What is it like? Yeah, exactly. What what is that like to to cobble guys together? Like, do you just look for military families? Is it academics? Like, how do you find an Air Force kid? Yeah, super question. So what we did is um, we had a couple things. So you can have fifteen official visits at the service academies. You can only, you have twelve at the, at the other schools, uh, which may just have changed, but that's what the rule was. So we used, here are a couple stats. We used all 15 official visits for all five years I was there. We recruited one guy. We signed one guy who had a Division One scholarship, and that was Birchie. He had a scholarship to Boston U. And I believe for th- the last three years, so when Joe Scott was head coach, myself, then Jeff Bizdelic, I believe all five guys were on the all-conference team, whether all-conference defense, second team, player of the year, whatever it is. And so we really just had to cast a huge net. So you have, there aren't many advantages, but you have two advantages. You're not limited to 13 scholarships and we have a prep school or I'm sorry, Air Force has a prep school. And so we would recruit a team to the prep school and then also recruit two or three freshmen straight in. And we would recruit maybe seven guys to the prep school and partly they're in the prep school because they did, they couldn't qualify to get into the academy straight in. But we recruit seven guys and then maybe two or three walk-on kids. Those would be more the you know kids who are more familiar with the military who really wanted to be there. And we made a the prep school a, a gigantic emphasis. You know they they ran our offense, they played our defense. They played a, a thirty-five to forty-game schedule against junior colleges and base teams and Navy prep and Army prep. Yeah. And that was really a great way for them. It was a kind of a red shirt year. Um, and that was probably the, the best thing that we did. So uh, you guys make the NCAA tournament and Joe is going to go back to Princeton and take over, right? Carmody is getting the, yes. the North Northwest. So now it's like, okay, I'm finally going back to Princeton where I thought I was going all along. Yep. How did you get the head coaching job? Yeah, so actually it was John Thompson took the Georgetown. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yep, yep. Yep. So, um, so, and it was interesting, and I, you know, I follow this more closely than you, but the Georgetown job was open for like six weeks, and John was the clear, you know, he had taken Princeton to the NCAA tournament a couple of times. He was the clear person. Obviously, he's John Thompson's son, and it was clear that he was going to do it, but the Thompsons, I mean, they're incredibly private and there was no, there were no leaks. There was no hoop scoop. There was no story about who was going to get it. And then finally it happened. And I did think that I would have a really good chance to be the Princeton coach, but I also knew I, I think Joe really wanted it. And, um, so as soon as that happened, Princeton, who would who would kind of traditionally take a little bit of time to hire a coach, I think they called Joe right away. And uh, earlier that year, um, Don DeVoe had retired or announced his retirement at Navy. So here we were having this great year, and the Naval Academy job opened, and I think they were interested in talking to me. And Air Force would put it in my contract that I would be the next coach at the Air Force Academy when, when Joe left. So, um, so it was kind of a, it was, it was done. I mean, it was done before Joe even went to Princeton. 
Okay. So how much had you changed as a coach from Beaver College to four years under Joe Scott? Great question. Well, I would say um, a fair amount. Just being an assistant is so, so gives you such a unique perspective and allows you to, um, you know, more kind of more calmly evaluate, uh, you know, decisions. And, uh, you know, Joe now was, you know, he's incredible. You know, I don't think, I don't know if too many people who could have taken the Air Force Academy to an at-large team in the NCAA tournament. And he was, he just did an amazing job. And, you know, for Joe, it's, it's all the basketball part of it. I don't mean to say it's all the basketball, but all that surrounds the basketball, the, the relationship with the guys, the teaching them, the, the high demands, um, you know, none of the fluff or anything like that. And so uh, that was great. I would say I had changed just being around, you know, the caliber of player and person at the Air Force Academy. I, I had probably changed, uh, but I was also still speaking the same language that I had, you know, when I played in college and when I was a high school and division three coach. So, uh, not as much if I had gone to work for Eddie Sutton or, you know, something like that. Uh, but certainly had a, had a huge impact on me. And I really feel like I got to know how we could recruit successfully at Air Force and how we could build the team successfully at Air Force. Um, okay, so you're there for one year. And now yeah. R- R- did Richmond came how – did, how did the Richmond thing come about? Yeah, so I was Air Force one year, and uh, Jerry Wainwright um, – took the DePaul job, I'm sure, and it was late. It was like in uh, late April, and I'm trying, to, you know, I'm trying to think why it was late. I forget who was at DePaul. Oh, maybe, um, oh, I know, it was um, the Virginia job opened late, and Dave Lato went from DePaul to, to Virginia. Right. Yeah, and, and so Jerry Wainwright, who was at Richmond, and, but is from Chicago, took the DePaul job. And I can remember thinking, man, I'd love to, I'd love to take the Richmond job. I just wish I had a couple more years. I don't think they're going to hire me with one year. And the year, and the our year at Air Force, I, I think we had a really good chance to be in the NIT. And, you know, in fact, we finished ahead of UNLV. And uh, Coach Kruger was at UNLV. We finished ahead of UNLV. We had beaten them. We had played a close game there, beaten them handily at the Air Force Academy. I think we were two games ahead of them. And they hosted an NIT game. This was before the NIT was seated and everything. All right. And so I think Air Force, I don't think, I think, I don't want to say they declined the NIT, but I think they were not, you know, it was just, it was a really, it didn't feel like they were really pushing for us to be in the postseason. <laughs> and, you know, when I, when I talked to Richmond, it felt like there was tremendous commitment. And, um, you know, at that stage and how those things work, it, it was, uh, and geographically and, who the people were that were here. It was, um, it was great. So I got to, I came in, I interviewed, they offered me the job and, and, uh, was really fortunate that, you know, it was fortunate that was later in the, in the season, you know, people had already changed jobs and, um, fortunate we had done well at air force and, and it was great to be here. Okay. So you, you get to Richmond and mm-hmm. you're used to now you, you, you'd recruited at hard places before or been, you know, mm-hmm. air force is a hard place. And, yeah. And Beaver College, yep. what was it like to what's it like to recruit to Richmond? Because people don't know Richmond, small school, right? Less than yep. l- less than uh, uh, five thousand students, uh, and yeah, a, 3, a yep. and a a really good like is it is it just a notch below Ivy League? Like how good a school academically is it? Yeah, so it's a great it is a great school. Uh, 
private school and really ranked highly. A real, real unique thing about Richmond is it's a um, liberal arts college that has a business school, an undergraduate business school, which is pretty unique. Uh, so, yeah, so it was, for most people, uh, I would say it was probably really difficult. The recruiting, you know, the admission standards and things. Coming from the Air Force Academy, you know, <laughs> it seemed like we could get anybody. Uh, and we certainly appealed to a lot of people. So it, it felt like, and I, you know, I had never had scholarships before because the Air Force Academy is not technically a scholarship. Of course, Beaver College is Division Three, so it was. It felt great, and that was the one thing. You know, we needed. We we only had seven scholarship players my first year. And that was the one thing. Like, you had to be, you know, you had to be. You had to learn how to utilize the scholarships. Are you going to offer one to three kids, and it's the first guy who takes it? Are you going to save one for the season? Those kinds of things. But yeah, for for me, it felt like you know we we had access to far more players than we did at the academy. How long did it take to get it? It took you a couple of years to kind of get it going, right? It did, yeah. And uh, you know, we had uh, we had come in and and some guys uh, who had you know gotten in trouble here, um, you know, whoever had gotten in trouble or decided to leave, they were, uh, they were all guards, and so. You know, we had to play a, a first year without guards, and then the second year we here, we, we I think we started four freshmen, like twenty of the games, and of course that's going to just be an uphill battle. And then by the third year, I think we finished. Uh, you know, we got the bye, we finished fourth in the league, uh, and from there we we were, we we were good. But um, but yeah, it was it's it's hard. I mean, you know, um, people probably don't. You know, a casual fan probably doesn't realize just that there are there are very few of that it's close to automatic to be good. And and even look at North Carolina is, is is having a tough year. You know, unimaginable. But other than those, it's it's far from automatic. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. No. I mean, it, it's it's every it's a grind every year. It's even worse now. You know, sometimes you get yep. kids now and and they do well. They graduate early and then they leave you. Um, or, yeah. <laughs> you know, or, or they, or they go, or, you know, you get a kid and you, you go to the league 11, 2011 was, you know, to this point, your dream year where you win the a 10, you win the a 10 tournament, right? You get to the, you get to mm-hmm. the sweet, you get to the sweet 16. Um, how different is it coaching in the NCAA tournament from any other coaching you, you've had? And I know you coached previously, like previous year in the NCAA tournament. As well. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, it's just so, um, you know, it's like the the feeling of a big game. Uh, you know, if, if when you played uh, Oklahoma or Kansas at home, and yet you know when you get to the arena, it, it seems like even before you, even before anybody's there, when you're at two there's a buzz. You know, for for whatever reason, and uh, the NCAA tournament is is like that times ten. You know, um, uh, you, you know the arena is filled long before the first game, and. Uh, Everything about the town, your hotel, um, you know that the you know there's usually a cluster of hotels and the restaurants. Everything is about the NCAA tournament. You know, a, a police escort to the game. It's just everything has this buzz feeling uh, that that's probably one of the hardest things is to is to to treat it as a regular game or to treat it your preparation to be normal. Um, and I think you see teams kind of trying to get away from all of that as, as best you can, but. I would say that it just feels like um, like your biggest rivalry game times ten. You've had opportunities to leave in the past, and especially after a twenty nine win year at Richmond. Um, and some of what you've gone through is the reason 
that coaches leave, right? You get an extension, but people don't realize how hard it is to get back to that place. If you could do it all over again, would you? Like, is this the same? Would you take the same path that you've taken? Yeah. Yeah, That's a great question. I I would say, I I will tell you this. I can easily see advising someone to take the other path. In other words, you know, if if you were, uh, if it was your, uh, you know, somebody you were close to that you wanted to advise, you know, the best way to kind of go about this thing, or probably the best way would be, you know, do well, move on, like capitalizing. Right, right. Do well, move on to, you know. And um, so I can definitely see that argument, and I can, I can see why that would be the better strategy. You know, for me, it was, it was personal at the time. Richmond's been um, great to me. The people here have been good to me. Uh, you know, I, you know I, maybe it's because of my, you know, my hero in coaching is Pete Carrillo, who was at Princeton for 30 years. And, you know, I have uh, grew up a Penn State football fan. So, so to me, it was personal, and I, I, I love the things about the school. I, I embrace the challenges that we have. Um, so I, I don't know if I would have done it differently necessarily, but I, I could see, you know, that advice being pretty strong by somebody who, who knew what was going on. And, you know, this year's team, you have, you know, you have you're, you're, all your best players are juniors. I mean, theoretically, everybody back next year and next year you could be what 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 Dayton is. Um, your greatest recruiting story. I got I got like three minutes. OK, your yeah. greatest recruiting story on this team is who? Uh, great question. Let me think here. Um, is it, it Gilliard? I don't know. You know, Gil- Gilliard was good. I, I felt like, um, you know, Grant Golden is the guy, I, I, you know, I feel like we've, oh, well, I shouldn't say we, you know, um, every time a team that's not in the Power Five does well, the, the feature is on the, that team's best player and why he wasn't recruited higher. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and, you know, because people don't realize Obi Toppin wasn't doing that when he was in, in high school. I mean, he was not that tall. And, uh, but Golden, I think, is probably somebody that we've said, we've said this to a few guys over the years, like, that you're going to be playing as a junior or senior and we're going to beat a Power 5 opponent and the head coach is going to go into the assistant and say, why the hell didn't we recruit Golden? And, you know, now at 6'10", who can pass and dribble and shoot and score inside. And so I, I think recruiting him, he was probably uh, the most honest um, recruit with uh uh, with his mom and dad had uh, the most accurate questions and um, was a pleasure to get to know and build a relationship with and recruit. And I believe that is happening now where everybody would be wondering why they, why they don't have crinkle. At the, at the time of this, okay, and you don't play a Dayton again, you've won four games in a row. You've won seven out of your last nine. Obviously, you lost to Dayton at home and to VCU. Uh, which is an incredible rivalry game before you, you came back and Saturday you beat VCU. I mean, that you want to talk about home court advantage, right? Lose by 20, win by 20. Uh, yeah, yeah. And maybe you guys, you guys will probably win again. A, uh, in order to complete the task, get back to the NCAA tournament, what needs to happen? Well, you know, uh, it, it, we had a six-game stretch where we played without Blake Francis, who's our leading scorer, including the Dayton and VCU game. So, you know, I always say, Doug, I, I wish the NCAA would send out, hey, if you win 23 games or 24 games or if your net's this, you know. Uh, the only way you can guarantee is to win their conference tournament. Uh, the, other, the other way is you have to, you know, you have to build this best resume possible. 
and play the teams in front of you. Um, and it can be frustrating. I remember in 2011, because these guys are updating their bracketology every day, we had beaten Purdue, who was ace in the country. But by the time February rolled around, it was like, you know, the Richmond win over Purdue was two months ago. Like, right, well, right. That was when the game was scheduled, you know? Um, so I, I think what we have to do is we have to just keep playing playing well. We have opportunities in front of us, knock them off one at a time, and hopefully that's going to be good enough come, come Selection Sunday. Last thing, uh, when you stand on that, on that sideline, um, do you hear, do you, do you hear Pete Creel in anything you say? Like, is there, are there things you say that you're like, I can't believe I just said that. Cause you know, we do that with, as yeah. parents, we talk sure. and we, we become our parents. <laughs> do you, do you ever embody your little old basketball coach at Princeton when you're on the sideline? I do. I do. Cause my dad wasn't all that different from coach Creel. You know, he was tough and demanding and especially with sports. And so I can hear, <laughs> I can, my assistants hear a lot of that extremely negative. I really try to shield the players from it now. I've gotten better at that. Mm-hmm. But extremely negative things that really have very little to do with what, hap- what just happened or what mistake just happened. That's amazing. Well, listen, it's great to see your team doing so well. It's good to catch up. Need to do so in person. In the meantime, congrats on the success. Keep it rolling. And thanks for joining us in the pod. Hey, Doug. Thanks so much, man. A reminder, you can hear the Doug Gottlieb Show daily, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. You can also download that podcast, which uh, pops up daily. Uh, Two pods this week. We'll try and keep popping out as many basketball pods and basketball season as possible. Thanks so much for listening, for downloading, for subscribing, for rating and reviewing, and for sending us your tweets on who else you want to hear as we get you ready for the NCAA tournament. In the meantime... Keep listening, keep downloading, keep telling your friends, tweet it to them, send it to them on Facebook. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is All Ball. Get right to the romance and find the way to wow this Valentine's with 1-800-Flowers.com. From classic roses and bouquets to decadent chocolate-covered berries, gourmet treats, and more. Surprise your Valentine with 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, get the 18-stem Enchanted Rose Medley for $39.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.